With your latest news, I'm April Cummings. Chief Medical Officer Dr. John Lee reports 140 COVID-19 tests carried out since our last report on Wednesday. All are negative for COVID-19. The total number of people in isolation, either at a government facility or in their homes, as required by the Medical Officer of Health, is currently at 233. Dwight and Bobeth O'Garro collectively breathed a sigh of relief when they walked out of the Holiday Inn after spending their 15 days in quarantine. The couple had recently returned from the U.S. after getting both their kids, Joshua and Micah, off to school in Oklahoma and Kansas City. In speaking with mom and civil servant Bobeth O'Garro, Radio Cayman's Dion Anglin says, Bobeth's experience of mandatory quarantine in Cayman wasn't nearly as bad as you might think. For me, quarantine wasn't necessarily as bad as most persons said. I think what was the most difficult thing for me was the fact that I couldn't get any direct sunlight. So while I did have a balcony that I could go outside to get fresh air and possibly walk around five steps at a time, (laughs) I wasn't able to get direct sunlight. And for me, I'm a sun person. So that bothered me a little bit, but not sufficient for me to go into any sort of depression or anything. Otherwise, I was okay. I was fed regularly, not always on time. And sometimes meals were missing. That's just when you're managing so many people at one time, sometimes mistakes do happen. But the space that my husband and I were in was quite comfortable, spacey. I had enough space to walk around, exercise if I wanted to exercise. I was working remotely. So I had access to all of my work. I was able to Zoom. I was able to do everything as my normal working day, except for have in-person meetings. But it was like a normal working day for me, except that work was on the dining table rather than having to drive to work. All right. And you guys were tested at the end. Could you tell us how many times you were tested within the 14 days that you were quarantined? And what was that like? Well, thank you, Lord. I was tested only once. Basically, it was on the 15th day of being in quarantine, tested in the morning. The test, it wasn't that bad. It's not as bad as most people say. I don't know if the the person administering tests knew how to do it well. Because when I observed my son being tested in Oklahoma, I felt that they were going for days and days. But for myself, the experience I had, it really wasn't that bad. Less than five seconds. It was funny because I'd broken my nose twice or fractured it twice. So I'm there saying to the lady, um, I fractured my nose and is there going to be, she was cracking up. She was very patient and kind. I said, don't worry about it. Which nostril do you prefer? I said, this one. And that was it. It was finished really quick. Okay. Well, what was the purpose of your trip? The purpose of my trip was twofold. One was to take my oldest son to the University of Oklahoma. And the other one was to take my other son to high school in Kansas. What was that experience like, the COVID experience like in the U.S.? Did you have any challenges with that? Honestly, it was so very different from the Cayman Islands and varied. So some locations required you to have your mask on sometimes, and some locations didn't care if you had masks. Between the two states, Kansas and Oklahoma, there are signs that said, wear the mask if you can. (laughs) Meaning it wasn't mandatory. It was your personal choice to do so. And some stores, even within the same shopping class, would say that you need to have a mask and some sources that you didn't. Some stores had hand sanitizing equipment for when you walked into the stores and some didn't have anything at all. So the, the strict monitoring and the protocols and all the things that the Cayman Islands put in place, which we were expecting when we got to the U.S., just simply wasn't there. It was more relaxed than the Cayman Islands. Dion says both tested negative for the coronavirus and are back home again. 
Mandatory quarantine in a government-managed facility is right now a requirement for anyone who leaves the islands and wishes to return. There is a 14-day quarantine period plus testing on the 15th day, and you can't leave quarantine until you get a negative test result. Some of the rules are changing in October, but there will still be a 14-day quarantine period, although some people will be allowed to self-isolate as long as they follow certain guidelines and wear a geofencing device. The use of telemedicine at Health Services Authority has become a crucial tool in the treatment of patients. Radio Cayman's Felicia Rankin-Solins has more on how this service has grown. The Health Services Authority continues to expand telemedicine services, bridging the gap between specialists and their patients despite the COVID-19 pandemic. The telemedicine suite, the new one, is actually a suite that includes a consultation room, an examination room, and then the new generation in-touch telemedicine robot that is affectionately called Sally. Sally brings the consultant physician directly into contact with patients, so patients who have been having um, consults with visiting specialists from overseas that have now been discontinued because of the pandemic are now able to have direct contacts with their patients. Dr. Elizabeth McLaughlin, clinical head of the emergency room at HSA, discusses how sophisticated the technology behind Sally the robot really is. The physician can control the robot from their computer system overseas and it allows them to do very detailed and very up-close assessments. So the cameras and stuff on the robot can allow them to actually measure the size of your pupil. It is that detailed it can go to. Sally has been used on and off over the years for quite a bit. Um, psychiatry has been using it. Now this is expanded into having a dedicated area in the specialist clinic. And it's also now expanding to utilize for um, rheumatology and dermatology. Dr. McLaughlin says the importance of telemedicine became even clearer after COVID brought the island to a halt for several months. So this allows for continuity of care, even if a person cannot come into the hospital or services are being restricted into access of their care. For Radio Cayman News, I'm Felicia Rankin-Solins. The next step for the HSA is to raise awareness among patients and staff about why they should take advantage of the technology. We'll have more on that tomorrow. The Ministry of Health announces work is resumed on the construction of a long-term residential mental health facility since the initial lockdown was announced by the Cayman Islands government in March. Construction is expected to be complete on the facility in September 2021. As you heard on Tuesday, the Royal Cayman Islands Police Service recently graduated its newest group of recruits. And as CIGTV's Donna Bush reports, several of them have been acknowledged for their outstanding work at a ceremony at the Harkwell. Well, as friends and family gathered there to witness the recruits officially becoming police constables, five of them received special awards. PC Shanique Freighter won the Top Academic Student Award, while PC Angelita Durant was awarded for her resilience. PC Levan Sharif won the Team Spirit Award, followed by Talia Naranjo, who was presented with the Best Drill and Deportment Award. And finally, the Most Outstanding Student Award went to PC Sean DeSosa.
we say a huge congratulations to the 11 new police constables as well as the special awardees. CIDTV's Donna Bush there. The head of the Cayman Islands London office was a panelist at the Virtual Island Summit this weekend. During his remarks, Andre Ebanks highlighted some of the accomplishments of the Cayman Islands during the COVID-19 pandemic. On a domestic front, Cayman took the COVID lockdown period to do some think time and created a strategic economic advisory council to explore a variety of initiatives in terms of advancing renewable energy, diversing our, our data services, fostering digital, digital payments, he told delegates that while the economic forecast may look stormy, through the pandemic there are rays of light that should be captured to make global Britain a strong group of countries. The summit participation was an opportunity for overseas territories to discuss strategies for the post-Brexit period, as well as develop new trains of thought about the Cayman Islands internationally. The summit is an online event which connects global islands, encouraging them to share their common experiences on a digital platform. Truman Button Law School course leader Laura Panades chaired a panel in a leading UK conference. The Society of Legal Scholars is an international society for legal lecturers and researchers. The SLS annual conference is one of the organization's highlights, hosting studies in 27 areas of law over the course of four days. Ms. Panades' panel, Caribbean Public Procurement, Emerging Models of the Latecomers, featured national case studies from across the region. Chairing the panel has been a great opportunity to learn about what other Caribbean countries are doing and what Cayman can learn from them. This panel has improved my skills as an academic, which will benefit our students at the law school. Public procurement manager Robert Tatum also participated, discussing the strengths and challenges of public procurement in the Cayman Islands. This year, the event was online due to COVID-19. Volunteers with the Department of Environment are keeping a watchful eye on healthy new coral that may be facing a variety of threats. Radio Cayman's Shanda Gallego has more. Volunteers in the Sister Islands are assisting the DOE with monitoring the threat of stony coral tissue loss disease, SCTLD, on Cayman's coral reefs. While the DOE reports they did not find any signs of the disease on the Sister Islands, they did, however, report finding many healthy new colonies of the threatened pillar coral around both Cayman Brack and Little Cayman. According to the DOE, this type of coral is listed as a threatened species under the International Union for the Conservation of Nature's Red List. And what that means is that although this coral was once prolific in the Caribbean Sea and in Cayman waters, the DOE says it is now uncommon throughout the region. This is due to a variety of both human-caused and natural threats, such as pollution, coral diseases, and climate change. The DOE says it can still be found on our reefs, but usually in relatively low abundance, which, for recent discoveries, the DOE says, is such great news. They can be found between 1 to 24 meters in depth, typically yellow-gold in color, and has a fuzzy appearance due to its polyps almost always being fully extended. The DOE says if you're a diver or you're out snorkeling and find a colony of pillar coral, you're encouraged to get in touch with the DOE's Marine Research Unit at doe.gov.ky why or share it on social media and don't forget to tag at doek man shanda gallego radio Cayman news there were more than 141,000 telephones in service by the end of the second quarter of 2019 radio Cayman's carsley fuller has more 
Although the figures for Q3 and Q4 weren't available for review in the Economics and Statistics as 2019 compendium, there is a snapshot of the first half of 2019, which shows a slight increase in the number of phones, both landlines and mobile, registered in the Cayman Islands. From 140,500 in 2018 to 141,700 last year. According to the report, about 38,000 of those were fixed lines and just under 104,000 were cell phones. Residents logged more than 80 million minutes on domestic calls and about 24 million making international ones. There were 24,000 internet connections registered for the first half of 2019 with an estimated $12 million in annual capital expenditures and ICT networks and services. According to the ESO compendium, out of 28,800 households, 28% had landlines in 2019, 98% had cell phones, 86% had internet at home, 68% had computers, and 51% of households had either cable or satellite. Reporting for Radio Cayman News, I'm Carsley Fuller. The National Trust of the Cayman Islands has three words for you. Caboose Breakfast Cookout. Historic Programs Manager Stuart Wilson gives Radio Cayman the delicious details. So on the 26th of September, we're going to be having a traditional Cayman-style breakfast, and it's going to feature a swanky kitchen band, and it's going to be all the staple traditional Caymanian uh, breakfast dishes. We're going to have festival fried fritters and plantain porridge, bottle of porridge. Uh, we're going to have some swanky coconut water, porridge, eggs, fried fish. A mosquito smoke pan demonstration will be done to show what Caymanians of yesteryear did to ward off the swarms, along with other lifestyle skills of Cayman's past. There's not very many places in the world that you can go to hear kitchen music and, and have your breakfast cooked on a caboose. Um, these two things are really uniquely Caymanian. You know, we're going to be taking people through the house as well, uh, the mission house on tours. It, it's going to be, what we really want to accomplish is to let people see what life was like in, in, at the time, you know, and um, really celebrate the music, celebrate the, the food, the culture, and uh, the uniqueness of what makes us distinctly Caymanian. Tickets are available online at the National Trust Facebook page. You are urged to RSVP by September 21st. Recovery Month is held every September to recognize people who are struggling with substance use disorders and mental illness. The point of it is not just to recognize that people are dealing with these issues, but also to celebrate the victories, the successes. Um, and this year, the theme is celebrating connections. So looking at how people come together to support those in recovery, um, those who are struggling with mental health issues and substance abuse disorders, and knowing that um, recovery is possible, but in many cases, we can't do it alone. Program coordinator at Caribbean Haven Residential Center, Kimberly Febris, tells Radio Cayman this is the 10th year the Cayman Islands have observed Recovery Month. Part of the month's activities have focused heavily on education, with multiple webinars available for members of the public. There is one scheduled for the 21st as well. We've got people from Aspire, people from Encourse, people from Caribbean Haven, Family Resource Center, the Counseling Center. Um, also, we have EAP and BHAC coming in. So there's a panel of us that we're all just going to have conversation on addiction, recovery, mental health, recovery, so that people can understand that the whole community is talking about it and it's not, it shouldn't have that stigma that it's had in the past. Also this month, the Hope for Today Foundation is hosting its annual 5K walk run for recovery on Sunday, the 27th of September at 7 a.m. at Seven Mile Public Beach. The event is free.
A milestone for a Northside resident, Mrs. Thelma Range, celebrated her 100th birthday earlier this month. The centenarian celebrated the special occasion with His Excellency the Governor and Mrs. Roper, along with Northside MLA, the Honorable Ezard Miller, close family and friends. Mrs. Range was presented with a letter and flowers from Mr. and Mrs. Roper, who passed on the best wishes to Mrs. Range on behalf of Her Majesty the Queen. During the celebration, Mrs. Range also recounted stories of her late husband, who was a highly respected seaman, as well as tales of her career as a teacher in Northside and West Bay. That is your latest local news from Radio Cayman's Newsroom. I'm April Cummings.